everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. Hey, it's Brandon Odo, back with another Turbo. The topic today, you need to place a central line. And some of this applies to arterial lines, but mostly we're talking a central line. Where should you place it? This comes up when you're considering access, and there are considerations here that are taught when we teach people to do this procedure, but I think a lot of them are not. We only address this in a superficial way, and then when people go to place lines, they just end up placing them in maybe the one or two places they're familiar with and comfortable using. Maybe they have one go-to and then one backup if they can't do it, but they don't give a lot of thought to the medical considerations. So that's what we're going to get into here. Let's start with the internal jugular veins. Should you place a line here? This is often one of the first places people learn to place a central line because technically using ultrasound, it is often the easiest. Safest, plus minus, not unsafe, but easy to get into these big superficial veins. When should you not use this location? Well, one of the best reasons is a patient with an elevated intracranial pressure. At least in principle, anything you put into an IJ vein is going to reduce the venous drainage out of the head. And in a patient who already has a borderline or even elevated ICP, you can reduce this. You can easily see this in a patient with ICP monitoring. Just go and push on their IJ veins. We try to keep their heads in the midline so they don't flop to one side, avoid things like cervical collars. And if you put a big line in an IJ, this may be a problem. Now, how much of a problem, like a lot of things... It's hard to say, and probably we give this a little more concern than it necessarily warrants. A small triple lumen catheter, how much impact is that going to have? Probably not much. But in a patient who already is having a lot of trouble, you really are going to feel like you want to avoid anything in there. Maybe they already have somewhat narrow vessels. It's just nice to take it off the table. And certainly a big catheter, like a, a sheath or a dialysis catheter, I would be worried about that. So as a starting point in these patients, try to go somewhere else. Uh, if you must, you must. What if you need to put something else into the IJ vein that really does need to be there uh, later on, whether now or tomorrow, or maybe it's just a possibility. So this would be like a dialysis catheter. We often really prefer these in the right IJ, um, maybe left IJ. You can go to places like the FEMS, but really right IJ more than anything because that is the straightest shot. They're going to have the least deviation in that catheter and potentially the best flows. So should you put your triple lumen in the right IJ when the dialysis catheter is going to need to go there, whether right now or potentially later? Well, you could. You can put two catheters in one vessel, but it's not usually our first preference. So if that's on the table, maybe go somewhere else. Likewise for maybe a cordis, the introducer sheath, that you're going to use to put a PA catheter through, a swan, or one of the other things that you put through these. You know, we sometimes get in the habit of using these devices just as large bore lines, but they're meant for introducing things, uh, and you can put all kinds of stuff through them. You can put pacer wires. Um, they can do cardiac biopsies through them. Most of these, again, ideally, preferably, first choice, would be through the right IJ. So maybe you try to leave that open. 
What about the subclavian site? For a lot of people, including myself, in an ideal world, it's just our favorite for almost personal reasons. It's more of a pleasure to use. You don't have to work around the weird angles of an IJ. And it dresses beautifully and stays very clean, which is patient-relevant because it probably has the lowest risk of clabsies. So that might be why you would like to use it. And I would say that it is my first choice when there's no other considerations, but there often are. It is technically harder than most sites. So that's something to contemplate and has a higher risk of mechanical complications like a pneumothorax uh, compared to something like an IJ. So understand that and that even if you are skilled with it, which is the only time you should be using it, um, there is still a greater risk. Balance that against those positives. What other considerations are there? Well, maybe some of those mechanical risks are higher in certain patients. So a patient who's on positive pressure, like on the vent, the risk of pneumothorax is probably higher, most of all because if you do hit a lung, in a patient on the vent, there's a very high chance they're going to need to have a pneumothorax probably develop and certainly to have it uh, decompressed. Very few cases where we would see a pneumo on the vent and say, we don't need to worry about that. We can just watch it because they tend to grow when you have positive pressure in your lungs. Patient not on the vent with really no respiratory disease, maybe it's not such a big problem. That innovative patient who's on 15 a peep and 100% oxygen, uh, a pneumo is the last thing they need, so contemplate that. Consider also that if you're going into the subclavian veins, you should think about how those veins are. And in a patient who has something else in them, for instance, a pacemaker, that may be in your way. The device itself may be sort of in your way, depending on which side you're going on. But if you're sharing a vessel with the wires, it gets a little iffy. You can do it. A pacemaker is not a contraindication to any central line placement and not even the same vessel, but it would definitely not be my first choice. Uh, maybe you could disrupt or dislodge that pacemaker. Of course, you could do that from another site too. And in both cases, you're ending up in the right heart, as is the wires. Uh, but I would think if you're sharing a vessel with the wire itself, maybe more so. In principle, you could even get shocked through your wire, although in practice, I think the risk of that is pretty small, especially if you're wearing gloves and so on. But it's just something to think about. I would always try to avoid sharing a vessel with a pacemaker. The other thing to consider is whether this patient potentially is going to need dialysis. So a patient with, say, an acute kidney injury, never mind somebody who already has severe chronic kidney injury, because many of these patients who may be temporarily dialyzed in our setting, or even who may just proceed to needing a more subacute dialysis a little later, they're really going to want their subclavian veins to be patent. They're going to end up needing surgical dialysis access, and they're going to prefer to put that on the left or right upper extremity, a fistula or a graft. We do not prefer to use catheters long-term for these because they get infected. The problem is to dialyze through an arm, you need to have very high flows through the veins. And if you can't maintain a high flow coming into the artery and out through the vein, then you can't effectively dialyze through that extremity. And they're going to test this stuff out and map it when they go to place these uh, access. But a patient who has stenosis or narrowing of one of the subclavian veins may never be able to use that arm unless somebody can do an intervention to open it up. And even a modest amount of narrowing or stenosis may preclude that extremity, and that can happen after you put catheters in these veins. Now again, more risk probably for a bigger catheter. I would rarely if ever place a dialysis catheter in a subclavian vein, and that applies to most people. Certainly not in a patient who is 
needing dialysis, which is who would need a dialysis catheter because they may need long-term dialysis. Uh, but in anyone, maybe consider avoiding even smaller bore catheters. Like the ICP thing, it's hard to know how small is small enough to not worry about it at all. What about the femoral veins? Our biggest concern always with this was how clean they are. Older data suggested there was a higher risk of line infection. Uh, more recently, it's become a little less clear. I think it depends a lot on the line. How clean can you keep it? How big is the patient? Obese patients with a very big panis and big thighs, this gets really deep and kind of wet and hard to keep a good dressing on. There may be stool and things. How proximately or distally you put it? I think if you place it a little bit more distally, you often get out of some of that deep stuff, but it gets technically a lot harder, especially in a larger patient where you might be considering this. So things to consider there. You look at some fems and you say, this is not going to be a nice fem. And you look at others and you're like, this seems fine. Consider your other possibilities and consider that even if you are sanguine about the data and not too worried about line infections, the next person to take care of this patient may not feel quite the same and may end up replacing this and subjecting the patient to two procedures when if you had another alternative, you could have just put it elsewhere to begin with. What other considerations are there in general? Well, I would always consider whether there are patient factors here that are not universal, but that may make a particular site a poor choice. Usually it's, is this site a bad choice, not is it an especially good choice? And this would be things like vascular insufficiencies. So is there a, a known stenosis or thrombosis, a blood clot, which makes this particular vessel either not a great choice or completely not viable? Maybe you can't get to the central circulation from here. Sometimes there may just be abnormal vascular anatomy, like this vessel goes somewhere crazy, or this vessel turns into a weird twist, or maybe there's some other hardware. We talked about pacemakers. What about something like an IVC filter? Should you place a femoral line in a patient with an IVC filter? You potentially can, but you should potentially be cautious. If you put a, a wire deep enough, you know, how deep can you get? Depends on your wire and where you stick them and where the filter is. But if you stick it deep enough, you might be able to get it to the level of the filter. And now you're sticking a wire through a metal mesh, a wire that has a J tip on it. And if you yank on it, maybe you could dislodge that filter. Or maybe you can just prod it and instrument it and break off clots. Uh, I've seen or heard of wires getting stuck in filters. I've seen or and heard of catheters getting placed through filters and then being unable to be removed because they've thrombosed to them. This is usually longer term ones, and particularly longer catheters. Most regular length catheters you place in a fem may not even reach the IVC, never mind somewhat more proximally on the IVC. But they have long catheters that are sometimes used for fems, things like longer term catheters that even get all the way up to the heart, like for a dialysis catheter. Just consider that. How do you know about all these things? Imaging is the most help. Is there a CT scan, preferably a CTA? Have there been ultrasounds done of vessels? And just look at the patient's medical history as well, what you know about them. And I think this is especially important to do when it's not your patient. If this is a patient you've been following and clinically managing, you're more likely to be aware of some of these things. But if you're in a situation where you're asked to do a procedure on a patient you don't know personally, this might just be the workflow in your ICU. I've worked places where the APPs do most or all the procedures, including for patients on other teams. 
You could be asked to help out with something to some other service. And obviously, if you're doing something like IR, where you're mostly managing other people's patients, you just have to be cautious. You don't want to just cruise in there and do the first procedure that jumps into your head. You want to make sure that it is not contraindicated even relatively in this patient. So spend some time in that chart looking at things like imaging and things like their bleeding status. This is often the first thing people think about, but I left it to the end so we don't forget other things. But a patient who is coagulopathic, either due to medications um, or their medical status, that may alter your choice of site. Antiplatelet medications, uh, platelet dysfunction, uh, elevations in INR, PTT, low fibrinogens, uh, uremic states, and so on. You may want to use a site that is less at risk of bleeding. Now, where that is may be a little contentious. The IJ is a pretty good site, although if you do develop a hematoma here, it could potentially compromise the airway, so it is the least risk in a patient who's already intubated, a little more in a non-intubated patient. You certainly never would want to hit a carotid in such a patient, so hopefully your technical skills are good enough to avoid that. The femoral, for most people, would be the best choice because there's not a whole lot that a hematoma could do to you here. The caveat being that if you stick pretty proximally, you get out of the leg and into the retroperitoneal space, and bleeding here uh, can continue until there's no blood left. You can bleed all the blood you have into your retroperitoneum. So there's not necessarily uh, anywhere you could stick someone without giving it any thought. Subclavians, many people would consider their least favorite. Uh, I don't know if that's true, although again, you should be careful because the next person to look at the patient may disagree, but it is hard to compress a bleeding vessel that's directly under the clavicle. So a proximal stick like through a traditional blind approach, may be at the highest risk. Now, if you get out more laterally, which is where I would place an ultrasound-guided subclavian, more in the axillary vein, I think the risk is much less. You can compress here because the bone is not there. That being said, it's not the easiest spot to compress. It is fa fairly deep, so you may need a fair amount of pressure. Uh, and you could easily see this and even test it. Look at the vessel you're looking at an ultrasound, if that's what you're doing. And if you're going laterally, that probably is what you're doing. And just press down with the probe and see how much pressure it takes. If you can compress that vessel partially or, or even totally, uh, that's probably a compressible site. Uh, if it's a totally unreasonable amount of pressure, like a really big muscular patient, well, maybe not the best choice. There's also not much that a hematoma could do here, although if you were to bleed, let's say, into the pleural space, of course, you can lose a lot of blood there. This would also be a good time to consider whether there's some things you should do to manage the patient to uh, reduce their risk of bleeding medically. So should you transfuse blood products, platelets, reverse any of coagulopathies, give something like DDAVP for their platelets, um, do this before the procedure or even during, uh, and just really optimize the patient. And even things like is this patient very hypovolemic? You may reflect on this through your ultrasound or even for your clinical exam. And should you give them some volume before or during their procedure to help plump up vessels, which may be very small, bore, and collapsible? It's really best to do this ahead of time so you're not in there trying to stick an IJ that's all floppy and then you're going, quick, give them a bolus or something. Of course, you want to consider the clinical context and make sure you're not going to cause harm. But these are things to think about, ideally, ahead of time. So... Think about your line placements in clinical context, both as a proceduralist and as a clinician. Try to integrate those. That's one of the great 
uh, positives about doing your own procedures on your own patients in your own ICU, there's not this big disconnect. You can know what needs to be done, know how to do it appropriately, and then just do it without having to integrate with another person or another team. So give it thought, be thoughtful, and I'll talk to you next time.